Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Tiny Hands. Yes, that's you. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? <laughs> yes, and it's telling me this episode is a you episode for Uck. Oh, wow. <laughs> to listen to this show, find us on 4 and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. Hi. Hi. We have some business to attend to. Yeah, we do. We do. We had word word snappers last week. We did. We did. And I didn't even catch them. That's how good you did. Oh, thanks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The words were, Scorpion shouldn't steal Spidey's sandwich, submitted by Bo Harper. Good job. Nailed it. Yeah. If you are wondering what word snappers are, it's a game we play on Patreon with our patrons. Um, If you are a patron at any level, you can just submit words every month. Uh, It's usually a phrase or, or word, five words or less, uh, that we just have to work into uh, an episode we record that month, no matter what it is, and no matter how weird it is. Uh, it, <laughs> often they're tongue twisters. I mean, th- there was no scorpion in the episode <laughs> that we were talking about last that week. That would have so. been too easy. That would have been, been way too easy. too easy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm uh, proud to, to have worked it in when it did. It's way sillier than anything this show ever offers. So. <laughs> we need it. We need, we need the it. silly. We need it. We need the Because we are talking about Spider-Man, the new animated series, or MTV Spider-Man, or Spider-Man 2003, however you want to call it. We are. Um, this episode, I do have some production stuff. Not a whole lot, but it's kind of the stuff that you'd probably expect. So it's really just confirming suspicions, because this is an episode... Like other episodes of other shows we've covered where they'll have like a villain that's like clearly like a stand in for a well-known comic book villain thinking like 60s show like that hunter dude Mm. that definitely wasn't Craven but was like should have been Craven because he was a way more boring version of Craven (laughs) unlimited where it was literally just called the hunter and for some reason couldn't call him Craven. Yeah, right. Exactly. So this is a similar case to that. This is an episode with like a hunter in it, but it's not Craven. Um, So it's not a huge surprise, but yes, this episode uh, that we're talking about today, the sword of Shikata, it was originally intended to be a Craven episode. Showrunner Audu Padden confirmed that in the commentary for this episode. He said that they were very limited in the villains they were allowed to use and they weren't given the go ahead with Craven. Though I do have a thing that we will revisit uh, later on in the season regarding like this sort of villain mandate. Uh, mm-hmm. but if you're a listener, you know what I'm talking about. If not, we'll we'll get there when we get there. But either way, in this case, they were like, well, okay, I guess we'll just replace Craven with another hunter guy. I guess a la the 60s show. Uh, but I guess for the better, they were like, no, that's too easy. Let's do something different. So they sort of pivot to this different direction where they're like, what if we split Craven up between two characters? So we have like the collector of exotic animals aspect of him that's given to this character, Damien, in this episode. And then the sort of hunter 
killer by hire sort of characteristic that you can sort of pull from Craven. That's also very honorable. They create the character character of Shikata instead. And also I think they're like, well, we're going to make like a cool, sexy female villain too. So they get to do that with it. Um, and then they, he said that uh, once they kind of pivoted, they said the quote spark for the episode was to make it quote, really, really dark and really mystical. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was that was pretty much how how this episode came together, according to them, um, which also, you know, furthered it even more from Craven, essentially. When was Last Hunt? In the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Mm, yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> they, uh, they like, the commentary for this episode is really, all the commentaries are kind of weird. This one is one where they actually are talking about the episode a lot more than other commentaries are talking about their respective episodes. And so like, there's some, there are a couple of neat t- tidbits. Like they, they are, they really are into Shikata as a character. They like love her and they're talking about a way that they wanted to, they don't talk about how they want to do it, but they said that they would like to have found some way to bring her back in season two. Uh, Cause this commentary was recorded in 2003. So like they didn't mm. know if they were coming back or not. So they have a lot of love for this character. Part of the love I think is because they're all like super horny on the commentary, like to an uncomfortable level. Like Stan Lee is actually on this commentary for some reason. And he's like, Oh yeah, she's so much better to look at than Craven. And there's one point when he's just sort of like, offhandedly joking like you're like oh wow i wish i could have a henchman like like super villains have henchmen wouldn't that be fun and the other guys on the commentary are like what about a hench woman <laughs> and they all laugh and they're like oh i wish and honestly these commentaries fucking suck it's really uncomfortable it's bad they were just horny for this lady is is what it amounts to so i just want to throw that out there that it was not fun don't like it sucks anyway <laughs> Great job, fellas. That's the production trivia for this episode. That's <laughs> that where we're at here, guys. The production trivia is Derek listened to the commentary, so none of you have to. Yeah, no, don't waste your time. It's fine. <laughs> well, this episode is currently available for digital purchase on Amazon Prime and on DVD. It is not on Disney Plus, and that's becoming rarer and rarer for things that we watch. So mm-hmm. if you want it, it's out there. Yes. You just have to go find it. Yes. The episode, like I said, uh, it's entitled Sword of Shikata. It is episode four on the DVD or episode two in the airing order. Uh, I think this actually, I believe this aired the first, like on the same night as the the first aired episode. So we would have watched that episode, which we haven't, we haven't gotten to yet. And then this episode, like in one hour block that day. Wild. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the synopsis per IMDb is a warrior with a magic sword is hired to capture Spider-Man for a private zoo, but she has other priorities. The original air date was July 11th, 2003. It was written by Morgan Gendel and Todd Felderstein. Gendel is one of the showrunners, so we've talked about him on our episode 132. Felderstein, interestingly, has uh, actually kind of worked predominantly in stage, uh, in stage work. So... I, there aren't really, there aren't actually a lot of like um, TV and film credits for him. He's his only writing credits in TV and film are this one episode, the Astro Boy dub, which we have some connections to, I think, in some of the showrunners or in Morgan Gendel. And he's written a number of short films or directed a number of short films. Um, he's also directed uh, some documentaries. Um, he recently directed multiple installments of something called Smartphone Theater. Either way, this show being a Spider-Man, sh- an animated Spider-Man hmm. show, fully an outlier in this guy's resume. It was just, it's it's very odd. Yeah, that is strange. Yeah. 
On the other hand, the director, Brandon Vitti, um, that's someone who is very entrenched in, in this world. He's the, uh, one of the showrunners on Young Justice, which is alongside Spectacular Spider-Man's Greg Weissman. He directed on Jackie Chan Adventures and Batman Brave and the Bold, which we've done commentaries, uh, Patreon commentaries on. Um, he's also directed on The Batman, Max Steel, Legion of Superheroes, various Scooby-Doo and Batman animated films. He's he's done it all. He's all over the place in terms of like, uh, uh, you know, action and and superhero properties and animation. Yeah, that's a little bit more in the realm of what I would expect. Mm -hmm. Not even just because it's a lot of like connected stuff or or action stuff, but just like generally speaking. Right. Even just the actual media. For sure. (laughs) Like the kind of media. Yeah. Nope. We got a we got a playwright and and stage director writing this episode. Okay. Right. Interesting. I would love to know the story. Behind I don't that. think it informs anything about this episode, though. I don't but. think so either. I don't think so either. <laughs> well, the characters that we are introduced to here are Shikata, the previously mentioned Shikata. She was voiced by Gina Gershon, who. Not Japanese, for one. Not Japanese. I also, I guess I don't even know if it was. Yeah, I mean, the character definitely is coded Asian in some regard, right? Is it specific? Is she specifically Japanese? Do we know? Um, I only I only assumed because one of the DVD facts were that they were specifically looking for like Japanese drum beats for her music. Mm. So that's I mean, that's the only thing that signals that it's Japanese. So I kind of just made that assumption, but. Also, no, they I think might it's have, a fair assumption to make. Yeah, but they also could have just been like vaguely Asian Japanese drum beats, and like that's you know like that. I don't know how deeply they were thinking about that. I don't obviously see that Shikata would mean anything significant in Japanese to this episode, but I also don't speak Japanese. So I'm using a very cursory search and it's not clear to me why that would be her name. Yeah. But okay. Go off MTV Spider-Man. The Gina Gershon though, like she's in a ton of stuff. But apparently, like, nothing I've seen. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I dig her. She's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was going to be my question is, like, if I told you who this was, would you know her, like, just from things? 100%. Yeah. And that's what's so funny is, like, I got that sense when I was looking up stuff she did. But then I was genuinely sort of like, I'm not entirely even sure. Like, I'm so unfamiliar. I'm like, I'm not even sure necessarily what to highlight. So um, <laughs> she voiced Catwoman in the mid-2000s, the Batman cartoon, which makes sense, given that there are folks who worked on that show working on this show. She's Jughead's mom on Riverdale. <laughs> she has so a I figured fight- you would at least know her from that. She has a fight scene with, like, Sai in that in one episode because it's with fucking Cy? Riverdale. Yeah, yeah. Like, the the rapper Sai? No, no, no. Am I saying that right? The, 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 the things that, like, Electra yields oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah yeah. no you totally are you totally are okay yeah i I believe so she has like a riverdale just everything i hear about riverdale is so ridiculous i also wouldn't have been surprised if the rapper sigh somehow was on riverdale no she's i mean like she's like literally like somebody's mom and she like fights with like those weapons it's so fucking great i love it love it um she also had recurring roles in series like new amsterdam brooklyn 99 cleaners rescue me like all things i know of but just never have consumed so Mm. Um, she also appeared in films such as bound showgirls cocktail pray for rock and roll i have seen pretty in pink but i do think she's just like a student in the gymnasium but apparently i'm supposed to know who she is for all these movies because well there's a lot of gay uh, movies in there i think it's part of it like bound is one that i've it's been on my list because i really want to see it because that was the wachowski's like first 
direct that was their like directorial debut like that was their first movie and she i forget who the other co-lead in it but it's like a lesbian noir (laughs) and it sounds fucking rad (laughs) it's so funny because you know when i was looking stuff stuff up it was like she's considered a gay icon i was like oh rad cool and then i like looked you know more into her personal life like oh i was like oh no she's just in shit gay people like yeah pretty much yeah yeah (laughs) okay got it i think she's the one she's good in showgirl i mean you know showgirls it's like its own tier of thing yeah. like she's good in that for what that movie is and i think that if if i remember correctly i think it's her is it her there's like a sequel to showgirls that like wasn't directed by paul verhoven that like is focusing on one of the side characters and i think that it's her uh but i could be wrong anyway so keep no going. clue <laughs> i have no idea it's just a Dude, it's it's, it's, it's so funny like i uh i don't think i've ever encountered somebody that i feel like i should know more that i knew nothing about than this person so, i mean she do some uh do some media consumption I, I suppose i think she's more of like gay gay gen x icon and i think it's probably I, why. I, I get that sense <laughs> yeah like i think she's just kind of like not our time and i just happen to have engaged with some of the stuff that she's in and like some of that stuff too um but i don't like I don't I think it makes sense that she's not necessarily been in your orbit. We also are introduced to this character that we mentioned, Richard Damien, and he's voiced by John C. McGinley, who I do know, but didn't know his name. When I saw the name, I was like, oh, I wonder who this is. And I saw him I was like, oh, I didn't know your name. <laughs> and he's probably best known for his role as Dr. Cox on Scrubs. That's what I yeah, know him from. For sure. Uh, didn't watch Scrubs, but that's what I know him from. And uh, voice-wise, he's voiced the Atom in a handful of Justice Unlimited episodes and Metallo in 2009's Superman Batman Public Enemies animated film. Yes. Uh, but he's done all sorts of stuff. Yes. Also, real quick, the Showgirl sequel, it's not Gina Gershon. It's it's one of the other uh, minor actors in that movie. So Showgirl stands, don't come at me. I, that was a mistake on my part. <laughs> she's too she was too I'm good i'm sure they were good. ready with their pitchforks too good for the showgirls for showgirls too <laughs> <laughs> and then we're introduced to damien's essentially bodyguard first-hand man uh raymond who is voiced by clancy brown and we've talked about clancy brown plenty because well one he has a very distinct voice but he specifically appears in the spectacular spider-man as captain stacy rhino and ox and he'll appear in a number of roles when we cover Ultimate Spider-Man. He also provides voices for Gargoyles and Jackie Chan Adventures, which are both shows uh, that we actually did a pair of commentaries on in the same month yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, he also voices Lex Luthor in all those major DC animated series we grew up watching, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a bunch of DC-related animated movies. Uh, and he's fucking Mr. Krabs on SpongeBob SquarePants. So, <laughs> I mean, he's one of those people. He's got like hundreds of credits, but he's one of those people like once you know his voice, you'll hear his voice everywhere. Yeah, for sure. It's a great voice. Uh, yep. Wish you got more to do in this episode. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Cool. Well, let's talk about it, shall we? Mm-hmm. This episode opens with Spider-Man helping stop a runaway bust. And but I think I said bust. Runaway you bust. Sure did. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about that busty shikata that the writers and directors were super horny for. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> helping to stop a runaway bus, a, a subway hijacking, and a construction site disaster. It's a whole little montage of, of Spidey saves. And mm-hmm. after each rescue, two men and a sword lady, whose name shikata we don't learn until much, much later in the episode, 
record observations on Spider-Man's physical performance. Um, when Shikata uh, re- records her observations, she concludes with extremely formidable opponent, my kind of challenge. It's stuff that's like straight out of every Craven story you've ever seen, pretty much. Yeah, I immediately knew what was going on. Yeah. There was no question it's, in my mind, and I was right. It's so funny that it's sort of like, let's move away from Craven, and it's just like, you're you're still just doing a Craven episode. <laughs> you just added some weird shit yeah. to it. It's still a Craven episode. Yeah, it's a hundred percent a Craven. It's like not even close to not being a Craven. Episode. I know it's so funny. It's so funny. Well, elsewhere, Mary Jane and the Shaggy Man. Remember the Shaggy Man from the theater? Yeah, we saw him a few episodes ago, like after her show. Uh, they're having a heated, seemingly relationship-related argument. Uh, and then just as you're wondering, wait a second, did I miss something in their developing relationship? A director calls cut. <laughs> I think that's kind of, I <laughs> think it's funny. all a screen test. <laughs> I think that was a, that was a clever little thing. It works. Yeah, I, like I mean, that. I don't know if they specifically like, uh, planned out those appearances to make us believe this was more than it was, but, mm-hmm. uh, it works. Mm-hmm. It works for sure. Yeah. Well, after he calls cut, he does let MJ know that she has scored a screen test um, for whatever it is she's auditioning for. We learn a little bit more about it later. Uh, Seemingly, the shaggy man does not because he walks away disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) And then we cut to, I mean, it's within the same room, but we we cut away to Harry and Peter, who I think were like secretly watching the audition. It's very unclear. Yeah, I think they debate on like, oh, should we leave before she sees us? And then Harry's like, no, she did really well. So she would want to know that we saw it. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's so weird. And then they shift into talking about how cool it would be if MJ got famous. Because then they could hang out with their famous friend at parties with hot women. It's like, here's the thing. I, I think that that's fine as like a character trait for Harry because I think that that's if you're doing like your rich like bro dude yeah like, you could do the playboy works. thing fine I think it's I think they really don't know who Peter is in this show and I don't mean that like this isn't my Peter Parker I mean like the version of Peter Parker that they're concocting I don't know if they really know what no they don't know who would their react. Peter Parker is yeah exactly yeah it's like, not be- like a general statement on the Peter Parkers of the world it's right. Like, when you're making a Spider-Man show, you have to decide who your Peter is. Because he, even within the context of this conversation, he kind of waffles a lot on like if he thinks that's cool or not, and like it's really confusing. Like I don't even really understand how he's reacting to Harry. It's just yeah. like I don't. know. That's the kind of thing where you either say that that's cool or you say you don't care, and he kind of like does both at the same time. It's really weird. Yeah, which again, they they I know this was a big thing that I said a bunch last week, so I'll try not to say it as much this time, but like. It's a thing they could have worked out if they were better at writing the banter between them. <laughs> like, yeah. Because you could have him sort of waffle and have it be like, oh, well, Harry's cool and a playboy. So, like, maybe I should think this is also cool. But, like, no, actually, maybe it's not. Like, maybe that's weird. Like, you could have done it. Yeah. So, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, as they're having this conversation, two men walk past them. And Peter's like, who the heck are these guys? Um, and Harry's like, well, I know one of them. His name is Richard Damien. And he's the guy who's actually funding this film that MJ is auditioning for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a moment where he calls it a Turkey and then catches himself and says independent film. And yeah, it doesn't land. Nope. They make a Dolce and Gabbana reference. Also uh, out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, well, it's MTV. They have to make your reference to fashion designers, <laughs> I guess, right? 
I guess. I mean, I guess. I, actually, no, that doesn't choice. really fit. No, they're like luxury fashion. That doesn't even fit, that doesn't even fit with the MTV got vibe. Well, Whatever. this is is this also the same episode? It's it is the same episode where Harry Osborne references wearing a Skechers. Oh my shoe. god! Even though, it, and I was like, I understand where you're getting this reference from in 2003, but there is no universe in any iteration where Harry Osborne is wearing Skechers. Also. He's and this clearly, is coming from somebody who has owned many pairs of Skechers. He also clearly <laughs> is wearing like loafers. Skechers never made loafers, right? Like, I don't think I mean, that, I don't that was know. ever a thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I just know if he were wearing loafers and they said Skechers, uh, he got duped. <laughs> There's just no way. <laughs> anyway, um, sometime later, Damien and the other man, his right-hand man, Raymond, uh, return to Damien's mansion where Shikata is waiting for them. It's revealed that Damien collects rare animals and has hired Shikata for $2.5 million to capture Spider-Man alive. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I do kind of like, I kind of like the bit where like it's, it's during it's in, it's, it's in all of the scene when like, you know, they, they just go through the exposition with the agreement and stuff like that. And then like Damien kind of goes on to just be like, to, to sort of rationalize why he wants to capture Spider-Man and why he just wants him for his collection. And Shikata's like, dude, I, I don't, I don't care. I already said I'd do it. Like, yeah. What, why are you explaining this to me? It's like, Oh, you're yeah. explaining it for the audience, but it's funny that she like comments on it. Like, yeah, I don't no, care. I like that too. Leave me alone. I like that too. You hire, I'm a, I'm a fucking mercenary. I don't give a shit. you're paying me you know right i do also like um i i think it could be i i think i like it because i can envision it working maybe with more modern tech uh better so this isn't like a fault of theirs or anything but i do actually like the reveal of like all of his animals and their their cages and Mm -hmm. cases and stuff like that i think it's cool creepy and i think you could do something really dynamic you know past the point where their technology is yeah for sure yeah yeah, it's it's a really it's kind of like haunting, honestly. Like mm-hmm. what they what they do with it because it's all just like creepy, angry animals in like these tiny little cages. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of freaky. Yeah, it's really stylized. I think that's what the show should have leaned more into is just mm-hmm. unabashedly making things stylized without explanation. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, after bringing what is the first half of Shikata's payment, because there's sort of like a I'll pay you half now and I'll pay you half after you uh, complete the job. Raymond whispers to Damien doubt at Shikata's ability to capture Spider-Man. And she hears it just to, you know, highlight the fact that she has like super senses, I guess. And so she challenges Raymond to a duel where he can find out firsthand whether or not she's capable of capturing Spider-Man. And Raymond doesn't seem to necessarily care either way, but like Damien is like, yeah, go for it, dude. You two fight before me now. (laughs) Like, just like damn dude right <laughs> it doesn't play out well for raymond necessarily he fires two shots uh with his gun uh, he brought a gun to a sword fight and uh <laughs> lost because she blocks both bullets she blocks one of them so effectively that it knocks the gun out of his hand and then when he goes to grab it she uses some sort of magic to like push it away from him so he got completely fucked yeah her magic is basically just like telekinesis essentially is it's just with like green like with like green mystical energy basically 
Yeah, I'm I'm pretty disappointed in that because we have we've had Turbojet and now we've had her and they both have the exact same power. It's just coming from different places and looks sort of different. Yeah, I guess but it, it, it works the exact same way. They push things and they pull things. It's it's probably because it's it's easy to animate and they can just use some but, of the same assets. But it's just like then why did you even give her the power? Honestly, spoiler: she doesn't need it for literally anything. I know. She uses a couple of times, and in both cases, I could have seen a cooler way for her to like do a flip and do something cooler. Instead. Yeah, the one time, and this doesn't happen until later, but like the one time she uses it that I think could have worked, but they aren't really necessarily in the position to pull it off, is when she hits Raymond with it later. And it's like, could have been a funny moment, but I don't think they quite have the physical comedy chops, right? given their technology to pull it off, you know? That's the thing where it feels like they were just like, well, we're trying to distance it from Craven, right? I don't know, make her magic. And like, there's a magical element to it later that we'll get to, but like, that's a thing that just feels kind of weirdly shoehorned in. Like, I yeah. I, I always forget that that's even part of her. As I'm watching the episode, I forget like, oh yeah, I guess she does yeah. have magic Me telekinesis too. or whatever for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's unnecessary. It it definitely feels like the type of thing that they did simply to make her not fully craven. But I actually think I think it would have been better to either just have her be fully female craven or have her be wildly different. I yeah. think like where they land is is not servicing the episode very yeah, well. Yeah, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, that evening, Spider-Man's spider sense directs him to a mugging. However, when he arrives, it turns out to be a setup. What do you think of that? Oh, I, thoughts on that? <laughs> I, didn't, I mean, I didn't expect it. I, I didn't really feel either way about it. Actually, how, how did you feel about it? It seems like you have something to say. <laughs> well, I just, I, I thought it was, I, I, I know his spider sense never makes sense. Oh, I see what property. you're saying. Yeah. But it was so clearly a setup that no one was ever in danger. Oh, that didn't even so think about So it's interesting that. to me that his spider, they specifically made it his spider sense that brought him there and not like overhearing a fight or something. Um, That's a good It's call. one of those things that like, as we've consumed so much Spider-Man media, it almost, it's almost pointless to bring up Spider-Sense stuff sometimes, but this show doesn't constantly use his Spider-Sense, mm-hmm. so I just thought it was odd. Yeah, because they didn't need to do it. They could have just had him swinging by, hear someone scream, and then go down. Yeah. Like, because they, the, yeah. they don't, like, the villains don't know he has Spider-Sense, so they're not finding a way to trigger it. They just have to imitate a mugging. That's all they got to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, if that's anything, they should choice. have been imitating a mugging, and it should have specifically not triggered his Spider-Sense. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Right, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's, again, kind of a nitpicky thing, but, like, one that it's, like... Uh, it could have been a very simple thing to cut out that would have made it more sense, made it make more yeah. sense. Just thought it was odd. Yeah. Very odd. Well, uh, Spidey and Shikata spar, uh, they kind of maintain pretty equal footing actually throughout their fight, um, until the police arrive. So Spider-Man is a formidable op- opponent to Shikata very clearly. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like mm-hmm. the setup is that they have like a whole cage there and she's just like waiting. Yeah. Like that's the that's the whole setup. Very simple. Yeah, very clean. I mean, and I like it. You know, it's just like kind of a bare set, and then there's just like some graffiti on the wall. But I think that but that kind of adds to some cool, I don't know, texture to it or whatever. Like, yeah, it's cool. And 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 Shikata, I think, is really the way that they animate her. I think is kind of back and forth. Sometimes I actually, sometimes I actually am kind of surprised by how cool some of her like martial arts and sword fighting looks other times it looks really clunky there's like one later on that i'll kind of call out towards the end of the episode but i think that like when i do think that like the, I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by how good some of the fight sequences looked in this episode i guess is what i'm trying to say 
So I think the thing that stood out to me especially was how equally they were matched. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool because a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times Spider-Man is caught off guard by his first meeting with a villain and then gets his ass kicked, right? Yeah. That wouldn't work in this scenario. So actually it's like refreshing for him to kind of just be comfortable and have sort of like an up not an upper hand but like he just assumes she's not a big deal so he's like not stressed <laughs> um yeah or or because he doesn't know who she is he just assumes that she's like a lady with a sword right, i guess right um but ultimately like because they're on equal footing they kind of end up in this stalemate situation and the police show up and so when the police show up, Shikata's men are sort of like, oh, shoot, we got to like act fast. And one of them is like, you get out of here. I'll take care of Spider-Man. And he shoots at Spider-Man with his gun and misses. But then Shikata's like, whoa, what the hell, man? I did not tell you to do that. So she chops one of his fingers off Gross. Uh, because she like chops the gun out of his hand. But like his finger is still on the trigger. Gross. It's... A lot. Gross. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that lets us know that she's uh, she's serious about the fact that, like, this is her hit. Yeah. So back the fuck off. It means business. Uh, but it is gross. I mean, it's probably like a very, it was probably a very clean cut with a very sharp sword. So we probably could get it reattached if he goes to the hospital fast enough. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine, like, how that would even... It doesn't work. No, it doesn't I mean, make there's sense. No way they, there's no way that she she cuts off his finger and not any other part of his hand. Yeah. I'm like literally sitting here like looking at my hand trying to figure out like how that would work. Super doesn't work. Uh, magic sword. So it's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Did you... You watched Batman Beyond. I... Uh, mm-hmm. One thing from Batman Beyond that really stuck with me for some reason was the molecule thin sword. Do you remember that? Yeah. Because it was only a molecule thin, it could cut through anything. <laughs> yeah. So anytime I see somebody in a in a in a cartoon with a cool sword, uh, even when it's not explicitly so, I'm always like, "Oh, I bet you that's a molecule thin." <laughs> <laughs> Makes no sense, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, great, love it, dig it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when the police kind of walk up on the group, Shikata drops a smoke screen, and everyone except the now nine fingered man uh, escapes. Um, he drops his phone as the police apprehend him and Smitey, Smitey, wow, Spidey snags it before thwipping off. I fully thought Spider-Man was just going to stand there in the smoke screen. <laughs> he does not move very quickly. I was like, you're just going to stand there, buddy. No. Yep. Come on. Yep, yep, <laughs> but he yep. doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. They reuse that cool Spidey in the moon shot from the first episode again, too. Mm-hmm. Makes more sense in this episode yeah. as things unfold. Actually, yeah, it totally does, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, not that like the moon doesn't make sense in other episodes, but <laughs> why is there a moon here? Featuring show- it here makes God, this show more sucks. Sense. They just put a moon wherever they want. God, you can't just put a moon anywhere. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next day, Spider Man uses the phone from the nine fingered man to track Shikata to the top of a skyscraper where she is meditating. They do only talk this time, and Shikata reveals that she cares primarily about honor, uh, and everything that is important to her has to do with being honorable and what is honorable and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and she considers a battle to the death with Spider-Man as her opponent to be the greatest honor. So that's kind of like, that's the recalibration, right? When the synopsis says like priorities are different for her, mm-hmm. that's our first clue that like something is changing, because she is explicitly told to bring him back alive. And now yeah. she's like, it would be cool to fight to the death with you. 
Yeah. Those two things don't really go together. <laughs> oh, for sure. And even though I know it's like a really tropey, like, oh, you have an Asian character who's obsessed with honor. Cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. Great. I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all, especially since it's voiced by a white woman. But, you know, I guess it's like a, this, it definitely feels like a story that I don't know that I would have seen in a kid's Spider-Man show. So like, it's a thing that like a show only this kind of age group could tackle in this way. Um, Cause it is, I, I like, I like the idea of Spider-Man kind of being in this weird situation where it's like, Oh, the person wants to kill you, but not because like they're angry at you and they'd actually be fine with you killing them back. But you probably don't want to kill them and you don't really know. Like, it's a weird situation to be in and I kind of appreciate that. I just wish they didn't have to lean on the Asian stereotypes to make it work. I feel like you could do a pretty similar story with Craven in other shows. Absolutely. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you just take out the part where they're trying to kill each other. I think that's, but but I do think that there's something unique about a battle to the death that's different than like, a, a fight to win because the stakes are very different. And it's a thing where Spider-Man, if, if it was just like who would win in a fight, Spider-Man would be like, okay, sure. Craven, I'll fucking fight you and win. But it's different when it's like, what Craven, I don't want to kill you. So no, yeah. I'm not going to fight does, you. Like, that's different. That does come up later in the episode um, for sure. And that's, that's definitely where it hits me. Yeah. That sort of distinction for sure. Yeah. Right. Well, she flees this conversation uh, and she does so by hitting Spider-Man with some pocket sand. It's not, poison it's not a smoke screen she just literally throws or blows i think uh some sand in his face it's funny <laughs> or glitter perhaps glitter yeah <laughs> why not so at harry's apartment mj arrives crying and harry con- tries to console her assuming that you know she lost the part but surprise she actually got the role the reason she's crying is because the script actually sucks and she says it's, it isn't a b movie it's a you movie you for uck uh, so that wasn't just my feeling on the episode. That was like an actual quote from the episode from Mary Jane was why I said it at the top. Um, although I don't I'm know. I'm really worried that by the end of this show, I'm going to not like anything Mary Jane ever does or says. Um, yeah, she kind of <laughs> sucks, doesn't she? Um, she barely has a character. And when she does, it's to have b- bad one liners because <laughs> it's not even funny. It's not even good. No, it's not a B movie. It's a U movie. U for Uck. I don't. Where's there? Where's their comedy writer? We've covered shows where they specifically bring somebody in to add jokes to the script. Right. <laughs> or if like if Mary Jane was constantly very if that was a character trait that she was just her her humor was very corny and bad. Yeah. That's fine. I could see that joke working in a different context, but like it's very clear that she's supposed to be saying something funny. And it's yeah. Not. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And they're all supposed to be cool. I know. No one cool would say that. No. No, but Harry, uh, he calls in a favor to connect MJ with Richard Damien because he's, you know, big, rich socialite. He has connections. He can make a connection with a movie producer. Um, So he's like, well, I'll connect you with Richard Damien to discuss the script and maybe he'll write you a better part or something like that. And there's like a weird interaction where Harry kind of makes a comment about Mary Jane being alone with a lecherous movie producer like Damien while he's like dipping her romantically or whatever. It's weird. It's weird. It's like, here's the thing. I guess I, I appreciate that they reference the fact that like movie producers are a lot of movie producers are fucking slimy. Like this movie producer is like a straight up sociopath in this episode. And that's the only movie producer representation that we get. So like, they're just like, yeah, movie producers are fucking gross. I appreciate that. I just don't like that. It's like played as a joke, essentially. 
Well, because they acknowledge the fact that, I mean, I think it it speaks exactly to the problem, right? Which is like, everybody in the show agrees that this movie producer is lecherous and gross, but everybody also operates as if it's just a completely necessary part of the process. So everybody plays along. That's a good point. And that's exactly how it. And that's exactly how it becomes the problem that it is. Yeah, like that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what the what the major problem is. Is why why it ends up being like a room like a rumor that everyone knows that no one does right. anything about. If Harry has strings, and if Harry is as influential and has the power that he has, I mean, his interest should be to not have MJ meet alone with this producer, right. and he should be able to have the resources and strings to pull to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. Right. Instead, he's like, "All right, have fun at the mansion alone with him." Yeah, and she just makes a joke about, like, Girl Scouts have mace. All right, Mary Jane. What was the cookies that... I don't understand the cookies line. What does that mean? Um, she says the cookies are a front, or the cookies the coo- are a lie, The cookies are a front, I guess, and, and really the Girl Scouts are, uh, I guess, training girls to defend themselves? Is that what it's supposed... That's what I assumed she meant, which is weird, but that's the only thing that I can glean it, from it. I just... Uh, it's Okay, sure. Sure. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> that joke wasn't for me <laughs> many most uh, most jokes in the show aren't for me so <laughs> well at damien's shikata reconnects with damien to return her payment because she says she cannot guarantee spider-man's safe capture because she wants to battle him to the death uh, and because of that she says that taking damien's money even the down payment wouldn't be honorable because she would be ending up killing spider-man right so it all makes sense like within her own with her own set of rules or whatever but of course damien's not gonna like this and raymond is like damien's number one guy so raymond's like well no we're not gonna do this so he tries to intervene and like stop her from leaving and and she just used this is what i was talking about earlier she just uses her magic to knock him over and leaves (laughs) just walks right out the door basically punches him in the gut with magic yeah which could have been really funny if they if they had the capability to do like good physical comedy. Yeah. So I appreciate it because I know what it was supposed to be. Sure. And that's the type uh, of comedy that like I get and could land more than a lot of yeah. the jokes that they say. So yeah, I appreciate it when it when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It, it's it's physical comedy that was meant to be there, unlike last week's uh, <laughs> lizard falling from the sky. <laughs> lizard splat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay. So she has left. Uh, she's returned the money. She's basically said, I'm, I'm canceling this job. And Raymond is like, Damien, we can't let her leave. Like we, we, we absolutely cannot let her leave because even though you typically collect animals, Spider-Man is not an animal. He's a man. So like that would be kidnapping. And she knows we tried to do that. (laughs) We cannot let her walk around. You know, I love the logic there. It's just like, I mean, yeah, (laughs) it's not, I mean, it's okay. It, it uh, nitpicking. If, if, it makes sense based on how he's trying to describe it, but she is also a criminal. Like, she's not going to report you. You have just as much dirt on her as she has on you. I guess, uh, well, I don't know, though, because they don't actually know anything. Like, they don't know anything that she's actually done, probably, necessarily. And she, like, I I do think that that's I mean, dirt, she that agreed she to take it. the hit. That's true. but that's I don't still... think her saying that she's not going to do it erases the fact that she took the job in the first place. Yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's fair. <laughs> I don't think they need more dirt on each other than just we were in this together. Yeah, that's true. Actually, then there's no like, yeah, you're right. There's no proof or anything. They're paying her in cash, so like, yeah, never mind. But but sense. but I like the idea of yeah. it as a as a way to move the plot forward, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I actually I don't think it's I wouldn't get rid of that because I think it gives them a reason to then pursue her as opposed to just like 
shifting to something else, you know? Well, yeah. And they've got like, I, I also really appreciate the idea of like, they sort of split Craven up into these two different characters that are working together, but then have the characters go at odds with each other and like become their own antagonists. Like mm-hmm. that's a really fun idea that I, I don't know that I would have necessarily thought of. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think there's certainly there's certainly I kind of like I guess all the episodes, well, most of the episodes we've talked about so far on the show. Like, I, I there are always ideas that I appreciate mm-hmm. as far as like where they're coming from with some of this stuff. Yeah, for sure. So of course, Damien's like, "All right, Raymond, it's on you then. Take care of her. Make sure she doesn't doesn't tell anybody." And he's like, "I mean, I guess so. All right, see you later. I'll go get her. I'll go get that lady who blocked my gunshots." Yeah, what are you gonna do, man? Like, literally, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Um, well, get killed is what the answer is. Because later, yeah, <laughs> when, justice for Raymond is that maybe? No, what do we think? No, he work. He look who he works for, and is like, yeah, totally. But in- but okay, yes, but he's clearly like the closest thing to Damien has to a conscience or a logical side. I don't know. I don't know. I think Damien's too much of a horrible person to to, to justify anything that anyone who like works in his orbit and does any yeah, of no, that's, that's bidding fair. ever. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess if we're going to follow the rule that anybody who works for somebody bad also sucks. No, that's not what I mean, though. That eliminates There's... a lot of my faves. Okay, that's a different, that is, th- th- it's very different. Like, this guy is his right-hand man who works directly out like alongside of him has more in has, has the most influence that anyone ever could possibly could have. And he's just like, yeah, I guess I'll just arrange your hits. Yeah. I'll help you kidnap people and kidnap exotic animals. And you know, like, I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't, as far as we know, Spider-Man is the first human he's hunted. Wow. What a low bar it is for this guy. As far as we know, he's only tried to hunt one person. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, I think we could have seen more Raymond, and it might not have been the worst thing in the world. I mean, I wouldn't be against seeing more Clancy Brown voice characters in general, anytime, anywhere, at any point, no matter who they are. So I'll give you that. I think he is—he has potential to be a fun right-hand man. Sure. In the way that sometimes Hammerhead can be. Okay, you know, that's fair. In the way that sometimes the Enforcers can kind of be. That's fair. I, I, I see your logic. I like him better than the other two players at play in this room. <laughs> I Okay, from that point of view, I agree with that. I just think trying to think of it as like the conscience and logic side and like justice for Raymond. Like, I don't agree with that, but it's just a fun henchman who is like a little more than like an elevated henchman. I'm down with that. Yeah, sure. Cool. Justice for Raymond and the fact that he shouldn't die in this episode. I mean, most of the characters (laughs) in this show shouldn't die at the end of their episode and they often do. So body count is like already at half a dozen, four episodes in really weird. Um, yeah, so when Raymond and a few henchmen catch up with Shikata, they, they do manage to, somehow to land a single shot in her arm. Um, so that's actually kind of like, um, kind of kind of debilitated her a little bit. Uh, so Spidey arrives to help her out while all the henchmen gang up on her, uh, but Raymond gets away. Um, this is actually one of the points when, I don't know, I feel like the animation for Shikata looks really bad. Because like, there's the bit when like, it's really clunky and stiff because... Her arm is like her her shot arm is at her side. And so it's just like one arm just like sticking straight out with her sword and her mouth and like just opens up sometimes. And it just like looks like they a lot of smoothing up needed to be done on it. I don't know. I don't know why that stuck out to me so much. It just like looked extra clunky to me, even for this show. I don't know. Maybe that was just something I noticed. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I, the only reason I'm not saying anything is because I I didn't specifically notice that. But Mm -hmm. I. 
think a lot of this animation looks like not it not much stands out to me as like significantly worse than the next thing sure uh so yeah yeah i don't know that stuck out to me um but yeah but yeah there's a it's some it's still a cool idea that spidey and shikata are fighting together against these guys i like that idea and concept um after the henchmen disperse shikata heals her own gunshot wound by reflecting moonlight off of her sword onto the open wound so it's another another bit of magical element that uh that we see from her i approve of this magic this magic is interesting i think that's fine I, i dig it Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular enough patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike, and Lillian. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well, at Damien's, Raymond reports back about how dangerous Shikata is, which he clearly already knew. But now he's sort of like, it's, it's actually, this was just kind of turned pretty quick, right? Like, he was sort of like, Damien, we can't let her get away. So Damien's like, okay, Raymond, go take care of her. Raymond follows orders. And then Raymond's like, okay, I mean, like, yeah, but also she's like really dangerous. So like, maybe could you not just send me in three guys? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it does actually follow uh, uh, uh perfectly reasonable a to b to c so uh anyway he reports back and his 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 claim that she's too dangerous for him alone and not a bigger response is quickly affirmed because shikata followed them i guess back to damien's stabs raymond and fucking <laughs> beheads damien yeah she this does. is this is for me <laughs> this is i think beyond like this show isn't for me, maybe. And I think just into the realm of like, I don't know that we need this in a Spider-Man yeah. cartoon ever, but I don't know if I'm just being close-minded about beheadings. I think I just, I think, um, I don't think we need beheadings in like anything. Sometimes I watch Star Wars and I'm like, why are we beheading people? Oh, I mean, and they, I got that um, same vibe here. I don't agree with that. I think beheadings are fucking rad sometimes. I think it's like, I, but I think the context kind of matters. And I think it's, I think what, what does it for me in this is that it's just like, he's just a dude. Like he's just a guy, you know, like he's just a person. She could have just stabbed him anywhere. The beheading, it, it feels like it's brutal for the sake of being brutal ultimately. Um, and not in like that. Most like most beheadings are like that. <laughs> well, I mean, we're fighting vampires and shit. You gotta, you, it's, you gotta behead them sometimes. Like, I think it's fine. So I, I, I think it's like, with this, it's like I, I don't I don't know it's a thing that services her as a character necessarily because she seems like her whole deal is like 
swiftness and like precision and everything. And I don't know, like, I mean, I guess it's, it is a, a swift way to kill someone is beheading them, I guess. I don't know. It, but it is a thing where it's just sort of like, you're just doing this because MTV would let you do it. That's that you're because you did something violent that it's shocking. Cause you can, like, it doesn't yeah. feel like it services anything. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is that this is, it's wild that this was the second episode aired on the first night that the show ever came out. Yeah. That's why my reaction was <laughs> what it was. Yeah. This is like, if I watched this show when it premiered, this episode guaranteed that I wouldn't have continued watching it. <laughs> and this was very late in production, even though this was the fourth one, according to the DVD that they intended to air, they did mention on the commentary that this was like very late in production. Um, this was kind of towards the end of it. I think this might've been the last one that they were, that was in production officially before they were producing the finale. And I feel like this is sort of like, Oh, we've gone through the whole season, like kind of pushing boundaries of violence and shit. Let's go whole hog then right at the end here. And that's what it feels like to me more than it feels like a story point. And it's also kind of weird too, because I do think this episode does a pretty good job at making Shikata like pretty likable in a, in a lot, in a, in a, in a particular way. Like, please elaborate. <laughs> I mean, likable in that she's not like, she's not a fucking monster, I guess. Like she is like very, um, I mean, she's very honorable, but also like, she's very like to her word and everything. Like I kind of like, I kind of like the weird camaraderie that she kind of has with Spider-Man where it's just like, no, we're not going to fight right now. I want to fight you later because that's just what I do. I guess like this sort of the beheading thing is kind of at odds with that because it feels like the show is trying to make you care about her to a certain extent, at least up to this point. And then this happens and it's like, are you kind of a monster? And then she is kind of a monster yes. for the rest of the episode. And it's sort of weird. Like it feels She's like absolutely a, weird, a monster. It's, she beheads it, a human. It's a weird, it's a weird <laughs> turn from this point, from this point onwards, like, I guess. Just cause. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like it lines up with what they were doing before this. And then the rest of the episode, it, she's just like super, like more vicious, I guess, than she is in the lead up to this. I don't know. Cause yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, I she's, like, killing people who were trying to kill her, who are out to kill her, and then this guy, she beheads him, and then and then after this, she's just, like, tries to kill Mary Jane and shit after that. And it's, like, this it's a weird turning point that I don't really understand. Yeah, no, I, I super don't get it. But I also, this, this episode turns in a number of ways that I do not understand. <laughs> so, I, the, the, the second half of this episode, maybe not actually 50%, but, like, there's a point at which, and it probably starts here, where I'm just, like... This was written by a different person, maybe. Like, I <laughs> yeah. know it's not, but like it's just it does feel it feels like, like that, a wildly though. different episode. <laughs> it really does. I think that's yeah, it's like after this point, it's it's really it just becomes really strange and yeah, I don't know. It like stops being like the like the first half of it does feel like, oh, this is just your reused script from a Craven episode. And the last half is like a completely different story about a magical, mystical ninja ghost lady. Like it's really weird. Were they gonna have Craven behead this guy? Oh no, I'm sh- I doubt it. I'm sure that that wasn't the- I'm, well, I don't actually with the show, I don't fucking Are know. Are we? I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So shortly after <laughs> Mary Jane shows up and gets to witness Damien's severed head. So that's trauma. Um, 
God, I hate it. I really, I really have, I have a strong reaction. I hate this. I hate this. I, I didn't. I, I mean, hate that this show beheaded somebody. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you, you. It sounds like you, you have a real strong feeling about beheadings in general. That feels very distinct to you. So I, that's fair. It didn't hit me as aggressively as it sounds like it hit you. But it's if wild. you don't like beheadings, then like you're not gonna like that. And th- I mean, I don't feel like gruesome. I had such a strong reaction to this before. Like I don't know. Like I, this is a thing. Maybe I'm discovering about myself. I don't think I don't see why beheadings are any different than most other ways to kill people in things. But but obviously it does it doesn't appeal to you. And I think this episode like drives the drives the nail in like very aggressively by having Mary Jane walk in on it. Like, and it's, that's like, that's kind of twisting the knife in a way, I think, to just have like your innocent characters see it and then have to witness that horror. She also witnesses an like old lady Shikata who's like sitting, performing a ritual under the moonlight to like channel Moonhauer to like rejuvenate herself and become her younger self. Fun fact, not a very fun fact. Um, in case you're wondering, like, is any is is the mantra that she's chanting is that something that they pulled like from act from actual culture or something to be appropriate in any way? No, it's a mantra that Gina Gershon uh, Gershon just like uh, improvised apparently according to the DVD. So just yeah, like fully, me in the fully just like gibberish essentially, <laughs> which that's cool. Yay! Love that the subtitles say uh, chants in a foreign language, which is just actually a lie. Yeah, it's literally just chants and chipperish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so there's some weird magic shit going on with Shikata there. Uh, Mary Jane calls the police, catches a taxi, gets the fuck out of there, thankfully. Yes. So at some point after that, it's unclear because this is a weird cut. Spider-Man finds Shikata walking through the streets of New York. And this is either to draw him out or to then search for MJ. But it's not clear which one she's doing. Because she knows that MJ saw her doing her thing, but also walking through the street would attract Spider-Man's attention. So, I don't, I don't necessarily know. It's, know. it's unclear how long after this is. It can't be that long after because we do see MJ still sort of panicking from being at the mansion. But it's unclear like the geography of where the mansion is. So, like, is this down the street? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, the it, the geography of it makes no sense whatsoever. So, well, it had, no, it had to be a while because. Because Mary Jane is like calling Harry and Peter and is like, like, oh, I, I went home, but I was too yeah. scared. So I left. So it has to have been like, unless she lives literally next door, it has to have been a very significant amount of time. But it's very unclear. It feels. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do genuinely think they, they either there's either something that was cut between the two scenes or they just truly didn't consider the geography of of going from Damien's mansion to wherever they are in the middle of the street. Yeah. It's very weird. (laughs) Um, So anyway, she's walking through the street and Spider-Man finds her. uh, And so the two clash out in the open this time. And like I said, Mary Jane is walking past on the phone, trying to call uh, Harry and Peter. And when she notices that they're fighting, she calls out to Spider-Man just calls out to him. (laughs) And so Shikata's like, Oh, Hey, this is an important person. So I'm now going to, threaten you spider-man with killing mary jane if you do not fight me i will have my henchman who was over there uh kill her which like again that feels so fucking like at odds with 
who they were setting her up to be at the beginning of the episode. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe I just had, was looking at her a little too positively at first. It's just like, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill this random person. If you don't fight me to the death right now, like but at this point, I mean, at this point it's, it, it feels like they've just like, Made just like turned her into the most typical supervillain after that after the beheading thing. Like I don't know. See, well, yes, but I also see, I also didn't have any sort of like positive uh, feelings for her before either. So like it wasn't like this. I agree with you that it seems like a weird shift, but I also didn't necessarily hold her in any sort of regard beforehand. So uh, to me, what works about this is just the idea that like she's sort of cornering Spider-Man into fighting her to the death. Like you said earlier, right? It's not just like, I'll fight you as a feat of strength. She's cornering him into something very specific. Um, And that part, I can kind of appreciate it from just like the idea of it. Do Mm -hmm. I feel like it fits into what's going on? I I mean, I guess as much as anything else, because I feel like a lot of these pieces are sort of like very lightly fit together. Um well, it's also it's it's really clunkily done having Mary Jane just like randomly show up in the middle of the street where Shikata and Spider-Man just happen to be fighting, just happen to yell to Spider-Man <laughs> in earshot. Like it's all like it, it it it's it could have been so much more smoothed out to have all of this set up. Honestly, like I don't I wouldn't have liked it, but at least would have been more fluid if Shikata had just kidnap Mary Jane at the mansion when she saw that Mary Jane witnessed her using her magic and just brought her somewhere and then called Spider-Man to meet her. Like that's what any other villain would have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wouldn't have been like very clever or, or, ama- or amazing or anything, but like it would have been better than this, you know, it would have been more seamless than her just being in the street. Like everybody suddenly. just happening to meet up at the same time yeah. in fucking in Manhattan. New York city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. It's confusing. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, th- they they fight, they clash. Um, Shikata manages to just barely stab Spider Man, and Spider Man manages to knock the sword from her grasp. That's when uh, MJ calls out to him, like, "Hey, Spider Man! The sword gives her power. It's all magic." I, <laughs> sorry, it's a nitpick. I like on one hand, I. In theory, I sort of appreciate if they're going to have MJ involved at all. I appreciate that she has a bit of information that's like vital to Spider-Man and has to convey that. So she has like a role in the story that isn't just being the damsel in distress. However, I don't know how Mary Jane seeing Shikata just like hold her sword to the sky and become young again means that she knows that destroying the sword's gonna do anything like i feel like that's kind of a leap you know like how does she know it's the sword how does she know it's not the moon or magic in general like i don't know it feels like a weird leap of logic to me i mean it is a weird leap of logic it also none of this magic is ever explored in any way so like sure it's hard like it's hard for me to even it's all very broad strokes i guess it's 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 so broad it's so broad to the point where it's like i don't i i guess she sees it for what it is but i don't even know what it is so i don't know i guess like yeah i and i don't i don't mind i don't mind if i don't think that's good right i don't mind if you're gonna bring (laughs) mysticism in and just like have it just be vague mysticism or whatever because you know you could get into weird stuff if you try to explain it too much there is something that could be fun about like magic that's sort of unexplained it's just magic but then you can't have characters like figuring out 
how the magic, the mechanics of the magic works when there's not even any clarity. Like you have to, it, you've got to either have it be extremely broad or you have to explain it. You can't have this weird middle ground where like some people can figure out what's going on, even though the audience clearly has no fucking idea how any of this works. You know, I also think mysterious magic and mysticism without explanation uh, works when you do it in particular ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't think just simply not explaining things sure. works. And this show just simply doesn't explain anything. There is never any exploration. And I don't even say explanation. You don't need an explanation, but there's not even any exploration of why she is old and <laughs> makes herself young. Like th- there's literally nothing else in this episode that reflects that theme, that reflects that anxiety, that reflects that story. Yeah. There's like literally nothing about this episode that justifies that being included. Right. And it's like, you know, when <laughs> or some- justifies it not being explained. When like nothing. When something like that happens in Spider-Woman, when it's just a tiny guy inside of another guy at the end of an episode and we're like this is the best fucking thing ever, it's because that show clearly is like in- setting out to to be fucking batshit. Like it's that's very clearly like the vibe yeah. of the show and they're not trying to tell like nuanced stories at all well- like it, and they don't want to. This show clearly absurdism and surrealism and Dadaism are things that are very intentional. Like they're not, they're not accidents, you know? Well, and it's very, but it's, it's very clear that the show is often trying to say something and, and bringing in like playwrights and like, and shit and like wanting to, to wanting to be quote sophisticated as Morgan Gundel said in the commentary from last week's episode, like they clearly are trying to make something special. So it's like, when it still feels like the tiny guy inside of a regular size reveal within the context of your show that's that you're setting out to be dark and sophisticated, like that's when it doesn't work. Like you're trying to yeah. do something and you didn't do it. So, eh, you yeah. know, yeah, I just, I think that's going to be a thing that's going to pop up very frequently with this show. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, like I said, Mary Jane is like the sword's magical. So Shikata, um, or there is a pin. <laughs> there's a bit that I laughed at Mary Jane picks up the sword and tries to break it herself by just like banging the sword on like a light pole. Mm -hmm. It looks so silly. It's just so funny to me. It's kind of Looney Tunes. It's really Looney Tunes. Cause it just like reverberates and she's like, Oh no. It's like, yeah. What did you, you, you banged a sword onto a pole. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. I don't know. It's so funny, but I don't know. Yeah, so uh, Shikata uses her magic to try to just, like, telekinetically pull the sword from MJ. Spider-Man intercepts it. Um, He, like, shoves it into the ground and, like, uses all his spider strength to snap it in half. And when it does, Shikata cries out for him to stop. Um, And once it's fully snapped, she reverts to an older version of herself and just, like, keeps getting older until she fades from existence. Sure. Spider-Man just killed a lady. Cool. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, I guess, I guess she's dead. Maybe, I don't, I don't know. know. We don't know anything about her. That's true. Or what her magic is or why it is the way that it is or what the, con- like, we don't know anything. So. Turn into a cloud or something. I guess I she's dead. <laughs> that's sort of the implication. She didn't want him to do it. So that's certainly the implication. Yeah. Yeah. And the show likes to <laughs> kill its monsters of the week. It really does, doesn't it? <laughs> God, kill its monsters of the week. Now, <laughs> three out of the four villains so far have been people of color as well, which also feels, I mean, not that this one was voiced as a person by a person of color, but like presented as such yeah. also feels kind of weird. <laughs> well, I mean, the the there are two other villains in this episode as well, but that does That's not fair. detract from the point that, yeah, there is a high concentration of people of color yeah. uh, who are being portrayed as villains and are sometimes dying as yep. a result of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
just you know just worth calling out i think yeah oh for sure <laughs> for sure i i think so yeah. i mean that that's the we talked about this with uh with plenty of shows but i think we specifically talked about it with spectacular right like wanting to diversify your cast but having these characters that you're afraid to be part of the diversification process is going to naturally result in problems, you know, like this, where it's like, well, where can we add people of color? Oh, well, the only other characters that we introduce in episodes are bad guys. Yep. So, oops. Yep. Oops. Oops. You're oops not doing it right. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, police arrive. Spider-Man and MJ slip into slip away into an alley. To talk about making a good team, MJ lifts Spidey's mask, give him a big old smooch, because this is just MJ's character trait, is just kissing either Peter or Spider-Man and all but, so far, all but one episode, I think, at the end of it. MJ then shares with Spider-Man that she's pretty sure that Shikata was hired by the guy funding her movie project, and it's not very broken up about having seen him beheaded in his office, but go off, I guess, girl. <laughs> yeah. Just bury that trauma. But yeah, uh, when the police start searching for him, he gives MJ a cute little wave over some sensual music and flips off the end. Yeah, it's a good, it's a really, it's a, just a really good episode. <laughs> you for Uck. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, let's see, what do you, what do you got, what do you got faces wise here? <laughs> I, <laughs> well, the art, the, I pure, ramble. <laughs> the pure artistry of the who this is something that the dvd pointed out to me in their amazing spider facts pop-up that as damien is beheaded he's watched by decapitated animals that are watching his decapitation and i do think that the animal faces are really funny i don't know why i just find yeah. them very entertaining no the animal faces are really funny and i feel like that notation speaks volumes it really does <laughs> yep. it's one of those things where it's like where it, it's funny that they're like pointing out the irony where they're like, and this is what we call irony. You yeah. see where he makes a career of beheading animals. And so then he is beheaded. Yeah. And that's irony. Those, That's the uh, Sp Spider-Man, the new animated series DVD set. Uh, amazing spider facts feature is truly a thing only to experience because there will maybe be like one or two actual interesting, interesting like production behind the scenes mm -hmm. facts. The rest of them are like pointing out what you're seeing on screen, or it's like sometimes it points out mistakes <laughs> in the animation. Oh, um, like wow. there's yeah, there's oh, like open and honest of them. Yeah, I know. There's one point where like Mary Jane's like carrying a box and there's handles and she's carrying it by the lid and she says carrying a box by the lid instead of the handles. I'm like, well, I didn't notice that until you called it out. But thanks. Um, <laughs> there's one point when like I think it's the first episode or something. They're just joking and like Harry calls Mary Jane Nicole Kidman and it says actor and then he calls Peter Stephen Hawking and it says scientist. Thanks. Amazing spider facts. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, it's great. No, I mean, it sucks. It's, it's it's the worst feature I've ever seen on a DVD, but it's, it is hysterical sometimes. I I think I want it in. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I want it in all of my uh, DVDs and Blu-rays as an optional special feature. Yeah. Uh, if only to lampoon this specific feature into sure. all eternity. It's great. I mean, look, it was like it, the DVD came out in like 2004. They were still figuring out exactly like what worked for DVD special features. You know, this is also a DVD set that has like. One of the special features is just like people's I am like like abridged IMDb pages, basically. Mm -hmm. Like that's yeah. just a special. You know, they they didn't really know what to do with it. That's why the commentaries are kind of garbage. Well, 
the commentary of this one where there where everyone's like creepy and horny that's not the fault of like dvds but the other commentaries where they're like not talking about the episode it's just because they didn't know what to do amazing spider facts they're just like i don't know we'll just put some kind of content on there maybe people will like it and you know what it's giving me entertainment so it's just funny because they're like when you like you posted some of them online and i genuine like i was i was being funny because i assumed you were that, that they were real but also when i first read them i was like are these fake is this a meme are these fake are these <laughs> is this like a spot the fake one true truths and a lie like they're that bad they're yeah, that bad they really are yeah i'm gonna if i, the, I i'm sure there are some good ones in the first one but as i find the the most absurd ridiculous ones i will keep posting them because sure there are absolutely some winners in there yeah <laughs> Well, this episode does very little for me. Um, there's not a whole lot in this episode <laughs> that I feel like uh, one is for me and two is done very well because, again, separate things. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I am genuinely annoyed and bothered by the beheading. But I think to clarify, I think like if you're not making a horror property, if you're not making something that's explicitly hyper violence, which I think is like a legitimate mm-hmm. type of, of media to sort of explore th- things through. And you're just like beheading somebody as an execution. Like I'm going to ask why you did it. And if sure. it was like the way you needed to do it. And I understand where they were coming from with the sense that like this guy has a bunch of beheaded animals in his office. So he shall be beheaded. Like, I just don't know if it's worth it here. Yeah, I mean, I think the show's weird because, like, it just kind of has these, like, splashes of extreme violence, it seems yeah, like. And it's so yeah. it ends up sticking out because it's not always that. Sometimes it is superhero action and action movie a- action. And sometimes there's, like, no blood. And then sometimes there is a lot of blood. And sometimes there's beheadings. And it's so it's sort of, like, it feels weirdly inconsistent, I guess. So it really sticks out when there are these moments of violence. It's like, I don't know. You should have... <laughs> Like, not that I want them to go to go oh, super no, violent, hyper violent, no. but like. But if you're going to behead somebody, like, I want an appropriate reaction. Like, I feel like beheading somebody is like, vi- especially when we're not talking like monsters or anything like that. Like, when it's just like a human beheading a, a dude, human. Yeah. I feel like you really got to like, you got to acknowledge how horrific that is. It's like a very specific kind of execution. It makes Mary Jane <laughs> seem psychotic that she has such an underplayed reaction to seeing a sight like I mean. That. Oh my gosh. And, and, and like, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I'm just going to take me a long time to get over that. If ever Look, I, I was, I was genuinely shocked when that happened. MJ is just a, just, you know, a hip disaffected teen. Who's too cool yeah, to have reactions to witnessing somebody having been beheaded. So look, I'm sure, I'm sure that I was uh, fully unbothered by beheadings uh, when I was 19 years old. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> oh my God. This show, man, it's, well, okay, I mean, like, I I do want to now that we've now that we've talked about the whole episode. Like, yeah. uh, here's my question: mm-hmm. Was it worth this show making this episode, knowing they couldn't use Craven? Um, no. I, well, I think that they could have. I think if it gave them an idea to do some kind of cool mystical villain, I appreciate that. I kind of appreciate the idea that the show isn't afraid to go into mysticism and magic if it wanted to, like it doesn't, it doesn't that it's not sticking to sci-fi or whatever, but it didn't go enough in that direction. And it feels like it was kind of evenly split between your half of it. That was a Craven episode. And then the half of it, that was their weird unexplored mysticism magic episode. And I think if they had fully done the second half of it and maybe like 
more heavily explored the magical elements and then to make Shikata like her own character, I think it could have been worth it. But as it stands, absolutely not. It just feels like a Craven episode that's not Craven that then yeah. go- goes fucking way off the rails at the end of it, yeah. you know? I, I agree that it's, it wasn't worth it, but I think it wasn't worth it specifically based on the way that they tackled this because I think I do like. I mean, I don't like when creators are specifically limited, obviously, but like I like when creators try to find creative ways to work within their limitations. Um, I think like Unlimited is the perfect example of that, right? Like they weren't going to just not use certain elements because they couldn't use the specific ones. And sometimes they hit, sometimes they missed. So like if you can't use Craven, I'm open to the idea of doing something inspired by Craven. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it almost has to be willing to acknowledge that it is supposed to be craven but not craven which is what i was talking about earlier like it needs to just be explicitly like gender swap craven or not at all maybe yeah maybe i don't know there's something about this one that just like doesn't i don't know they should have just made a different if you couldn't use craven for this you should have just made a different episode yeah i don't know it's easy for me to say i'm not making this stuff yeah but like i don't know yeah the, the, the writing's too much on the wall for this I think. Yeah. And it's just like Shikata isn't interesting enough as her own character to justify like doing it. Like she well, could, maybe she could have been potentially, you know, if they'd have explored more of the nuances of her or whatever, but like, as it I mean, it doesn't now. exactly sound like they added her for re- any reason other than, uh, has boobs would fuck. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it sounds like the entire reason they made her, uh, yeah. A woman. They're like, oh, <laughs> she's gonna be a hot craven who fucks, and I'm like, yeah. he was already hot craven who fucks. First of yeah, all, that's literally his whole thing. <laughs> but he, not he, hot he craven who fucks. And he fuck. Not hot to straight man. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, not a fan. Um, I'm honestly glad that I had that context from that commentary though, because it's sort of like, okay, you know what? I, I, I maybe would have tried to have some kind of like rationalization going into this or tried to figure it out somehow or try maybe would have been a little more you know i don't know a little a little kinder but it's like oh no you really didn't you just wanted to make a hot lady who fought it's weird because like there's no there's like she has no depth the character like Mm -hmm. there's nothing there's there's no depth she has very little motivation right like her motivation as a mercenary could just be i'm a mercenary like that's totally fine Mm -hmm. it actually works i think a lot of times for mercenaries to be so detached but at the point at which she's deciding that she no longer wants to take this as a mercenary like i do think i need a little bit more and then when you're incorporating these these magical elements like i really do need to know more about this mercenary who is (laughs) keeping herself alive through moon magic Like it's it's so weird, and I wonder if I, I suspect this is going to be the case. But I wonder if if a trend with this series is going to be a sort of monster of the week type mm-hmm. thing, which I'm not opposed to a monster of the week type structure. But I do think if that's the role you're going, or if that's if that's the route you're going to take, then I think I think monsters of the week kind of have to follow a very particular type of structure. In that, like you need to give a high concentrated dose of personality and motivation. And it cannot, it, it can't be like, it needs to be kind of tight. Cause you're getting one episode with them, you know, like yeah. you're getting the whole full journey with them. That's kind of the issue I had last week with lizard. Where it's like, you want to put all this characterization into Connors and lizard only to kill him off 22 minutes later. Well, it needed to be like more concentrated and tight. I think that's the case with here, except it's not even concentrating it and tightening it up. Cause I just don't know if there's even enough for them to concentrate or tighten up. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
Um, I don't know. It's really strange. It is. And I, I do think, I think Gina Gershon's performance works for me. I mean, you know, the cultural, the, the dad stuff aside, I, I think that her performance works for me as much as it can. Cause obviously she doesn't have much of a personality. Um, like, I think that that endeared me to her a little bit, but I don't know. It's, it's like, I, it's one of those things where it's sort of like, I f- often feel like I'm like, pulling teeth to find something that I like about the show, which is not good. So, yeah. And that's really disappointing, especially when there are, you know, there are highlights sometimes in terms of like what things look like and lighting and stuff. This episode doesn't really have like super exquisite, like fights. Like I like some of the, I like some of the fighting and set stuff, um, like the graffiti one that I mentioned, but other than that, there isn't really that much, cool stuff to look at either so yeah we should have spent more time in damien's mansion because that was the coolest set that they mm-hmm. added for this episode yeah yeah there's a lot of a lot of and they do go back a, a number of times they just kind of give us the same shots a surprising amount of detail in it for what we saw i think like for this show yeah so. they should have had uh they should have had a fight sequence in his menagerie oh that would have been so cool why not yeah that would have been awesome can you yeah. imagine that and then having the the animals kind of like going sort of wild around them while they're not have handled while they're fighting. That. that would have been too much for them. No, no, no. They, I mean, they couldn't broken. have handled it, but like, that would have been cool. Yeah. It would have been really cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, look, I'm, 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 I know you've watched the whole thing. I, I haven't, I'm working my way. I'm trying to figure it out as I go. And I know that you're on a separate journey of trying to figure it out in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if we figure anything out yeah. today. Today is not the day we figured it no, out. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very particular journey we're on with this uh with this series uh, and i'm glad folks are here on this journey with us uh at least i assume folks are i hope so <laughs> i just uh, my my goal for this is to have at least one episode where we get to the end of it and i'm like i like that more now that i've talked about it than i did when i first watched it that's what i want that's what i want from this show i know it's I mean, a low bar but that's what i want i want to i sure. want to pick it apart and realize that there is some depth in there that i didn't see the first time and that I appreciate it more than I did before. And so far that hasn't happened. I've every single episode I've liked less after we've gotten to the end of the conversation, mm. which sucks. And I don't yeah. like it. And I don't like that for me I, or for us. I like I liked the lizard episode more upon rewatches than I did the first time I watched it, if that counts. But I don't know that our conversation made me no. necessarily like it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In any case. Uh, if you are watching along with us or if you've already watched this show and there are things we're not seeing or if we're not seeing it in a particular way that you think would be helpful, let us know. There are a bajillion ways to find us uh, and, and all sorts of places that you can do that. Um, I would recommend checking out our Patreon, of course, at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers, um, where you can reach out to us or comment on posts as they are coming out. Uh, we always see those. You can also check out our Discord uh, and and start up a conversation in there about this show. Uh, it, this is the type of show where I wouldn't be surprised if people had strong opinions that they typically aren't talking about you know what i mean mm-hmm. where it's like oh i finally have a venue to talk about mtv's spider-man <laughs> um so check out our discord there should be a link in the show notes uh, otherwise you can find us individually all over the place derek where can people find you and the stuff you are making you can find me on twitter at derek b gale you can also find my podcast gimmicks which is a podcast that looks at the high concept experimental structure breaking gimmick episodes of television with a new show and new guest every week you can find that anywhere you get your podcasts or on twitter and instagram at gimmicks pod what about you doug 
You can find me on Twitter at Ikibouli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also listen to me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast where we talk about different stuff uh, every week with different guests uh, just as we feel like it. And if you like books and video games, you can listen to me and my friends Katie and Vicky uh, talk about all the media we've been consuming on a podcast called Novel Gaming. If you'd like more from Derek and me, you can check out our monthly podcast, Falling with Style. It's an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watch every Pixar film chronologically. Our episode on Cars 3 is out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. It has a full archive of all of our episodes, including Falling with Style. And you can follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod, Or email us your thesis about... MTV's the new animated series, uh, Spider-Man 2003. That's what we call it, right? Uh, at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms because if you like what we're doing, somebody else will too and they just haven't found us yet and those ratings and reviews make us much easier to find. Next week, Spidey chases a sexy cat burglar. Can't imagine who that could be. <laughs> Uh, in keeping secrets, although based on uh, how I've been predicting these so far, it could be literally anyone. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Bye. Bye.